Good morning, Seacoast Church. How's everyone doing today? Are you awake? You ready for the word of God? Came a little hungry today? I love the fact that we are one church, 13 locations. I love the fact that right now there are people all around the world who are tuning in to our time together. And if you're new around these parts, I want to let you in on what makes a Seacoast service a Seacoast service. Every single Sunday, we do three things. You can call it the three S's. The three S's of Seacoast. This is my sermon for the sermon. Every Sunday, we sing. And the reason why we sing is because there's something special that happens when we connect the truth of God's word through song. How many of y'all only need one bar of a song to pull you back to high school? Don't raise your hand too high. Music has that power. And we play music real loud at Seacoast so no one else can hear you sing. I don't want to hear that. And guess what? When the music's real loud and you sing real loud, you can lie and say, I sound real good. So sing loud. Then we listen to a sermon. And the power of a sermon is that God uses a broken person to open up his perfect word. And if we allow him to, it will always lead us to conviction. Conviction leads us to repentance. And repentance leads us to a new level of freedom. Conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation throws us out. It, it uh, disqualifies us. But conviction leads us to freedom. And then we do something, third S, Selah. We take a moment every single Sunday to stop and think about what the word of God just spoke to us and what we're going to do about it. Every single Sunday, three S's. And I think that it's crazy in 2022 that you would give us the gift of your attention. It's crazy in 2022 in an on-demand world that you opted to tune in live online. You're watching this at a later date. You're at one of our locations, but we don't take our time together lightly. And so I just want to say thank you. As I was praying for this service, I felt like I needed to let someone know that you're home. You're searching for a church, and I just want to be the one to let you know that you don't need to search anymore. This is your home. We're just as broken as you are. We're just as messed up as you are. But this is your family today. I got a friend. She just started dating this dude. And I said, well, what's it like? How's it going? And she goes, man, he calls me. And he just said, I want to date you and I want to pursue you. And she's with him because he just asked. And I want to say, we're asking to be your church. This is your home. Will you date us? Last service, my name is Joel Delph, and I'm the Mount Pleasant campus pastor. And I'm honored to share a word uh, to you today. Last service, I got introduced as Joel Osteen. And so right before I got up, uh, Pastor Glacy, who was doing the welcome, he's like, hey, uh, we're so excited that Pastor Joel Osteen's here. And I got nervous. I was like, where's that smiley man at? I started looking for him. But today you just get me. All this year we've been going through Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He starts out with the Beatitudes. 
And the Beatitudes is this manual on how to be happy. The past two weeks, we've entered a new series called Jesus On. And each week, we're going to look at a different segment on the Sermon on the Mount. So last week, we talked about being salt and light. And Pastor Josh Walters did an amazing job. If you missed that sermon, go back. It was really helpful. So you need to see that. And today, we're talking about Jesus on the law. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 5, picking up in verse 17. You've got the Bible app. You can tune there. Or if you don't have either of that, we'll have it on the screens. So let me read this. Jesus is speaking here. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we come into your presence and we say thank you for giving us your word. And we know that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be fully equipped for every good work. Speak to us today. Father, we think about um, our friends who are in Ukraine right now. And uh, we just pray that you'll be with them. Will you protect them? Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I got a question for you, and I need you to participate. So I need you to find a friend, find someone next to you, look them in the eye. Look them in the eye, listen to my words, and nod yes or shake your head no. Don't look at me. Find a friend. If you're sitting next to a stranger, it's okay. They're as weird as you are, and um, let's just play this little game. All right, here's the question. Look at them. Look in the eye. All right, here's the question. Did you find someone? I'm nervous. You're not, you're not participating. Here's the question. Are you a good driver? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Hey, if I didn't say a conversation, I just said nod your head yes or no. If we went to lunch after church today and uh, we're going somewhere and Morris is driving, if I get to my destination, am I going to say, Morris, you're a good driver? Or am I going to get out the truck on my hands and knees, kiss the ground, and be like, Jesus, thank you for saving me? Are you a good driver? And good drivers really boil down to two categories. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? If we're driving and there's a yellow light, what do you do? See, the rule followers are like, Joel Delph, I slow down. <laughs> the rule breakers, you're like, hey, man, I'm a stunt driver in the Fast and Furious. Let's kick this Sienna down. Let's go. 
We're getting it. Um, do you know the speed limit where you drive? Rule followers know the speed limit. They check the sign. Rule breakers, you're like, mm, this road feels like 65. Let's just go. <laughs> Last night I was driving on the interstate and I saw a state trooper come on the on-ramp and I do what most of y'all do. You slow down, you hit the brakes, you turn on Christian music and... <laughs> And because, you know, you don't get a ticket if you're singing Shout to the Lord. And, and uh, then I saw it was a mall cop. And I was like, wait, I got to make up for lost time. Let me go. Let's go. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? Um, I had a friend who uh, lived near me. He is an insurance agent, and I won't tell you uh, what insurance agent he, he was. He, he, he was a real good neighbor. And like a good neighbor, he was always there for me. And he uh, gave me this, this little thing, this doohickey. I don't know what to call it. And he goes, hey, if you put this in your truck, you'll save money on your insurance. And I was like, word? I want to save money? That's good. And so I put that on my truck, and little did I know that that was a tracker. And that tracker measured how fast I drove, and measured how fast I braked cornering speeds. I didn't know that that little thing did all that. And then I realized, it's like, I'm not that good of a driver. Are you a rule follower, or are you a rule breaker? Let's talk about work. There's a new policy that comes in at work. Are you the person that tries to figure out how to implement the new policy? Or are you the guy that before you read the whole thing, you're like, man, this is why this ain't going to work. <laughs> Ten reasons why. You didn't even read it yet. Why? You're a rule breaker. Rule breakers don't listen to rules. You throw them out. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? Students in the house, do you follow your dress code at your school? <laughs> I found her. I found her. See, Tammy over there is on a first-name basis with the principal because the principal just waits in the parking lot for her. Now turn around, like, go back. You can't wear that. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? Yesterday I was at the airport. It was like 5 a.m. and there were seven guys ahead of me in the TSA line. They were all getting ready for a golf outing. You could feel the excitement amongst the group. I could see one of the guys. It was his first time away from his family and he was ecstatic. You could just tell. And they were going on a golf trip. They're all dressed to the nines. And then in front of these seven guys are about 10 people and then a TSA agent. Seven of the friends were wearing their masks because we're at the airport. One of them didn't have his mask on. Maskless Mark, we'll call him. And the TSA agent, it's 5 a.m. He's doing his little thing with the license, sees the group of guys, gets up on his tippy toes, and he goes, not today. If you're not going to wear a mask, you can leave the airport. And then he goes, y'all better tell your boy to put his mask on. And then all seven of them turned to Mark and prepared Paul, because in every group of people, there's always like the den father. He pulls out a crisp mask and hands it to him, puts it on. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? When I read through this passage of scripture, 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, it's very different than the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Because the Sermon on the Mount is real practical. It's real straightforward. Jesus is preaching really clearly. But this passage of Scripture is very technical. It feels like fine print. It feels like an attorney wrote it at the end of a pharmaceutical ad that's supposed to heal you of your allergies, but somehow if you're pregnant or may become pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant, you can't take the pill? I'm not going to get pregnant anytime soon, but I don't want to take a pill that's going to hurt a baby. That's kind of scary, isn't it? You ever see a pharmaceutical ad and you're like, the fine print is worse than the problem it's trying to solve. And this passage of scripture, when you read it, it's very technical. But what I learned is, is that Jesus is speaking to the rule followers and he's speaking to the rule breakers in the room. And so the point of our time together is this. For our rule followers in the room, I want to give you a message of encouragement for when you break a rule and you don't know how to get back up again. Have you ever sinned and then said, how did I do that? How did I get here? Have you ever felt disqualified by what you've done? Yeah, you know Jesus saved you from your sins, but you know it's like, man, he can't wipe that away. For my rule breakers in the room, I want to preach a message of hope for you to realize that when God gives us his law, when he gives us his rules, it's not to hold us back. It's not to hold our independence away, but it's actually to set us free. And so let's take a look at this passage together that when you read the Sermon on the Mount, we tend to gloss over these four verses. But let's take a moment to look at them together in a fresh new way. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. And my first point is this. The law was given as a love letter to be free. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus was a new preacher on the scene, and people wondered, is this guy leading an insurrection? People wondered, what was he really all about? And here's Jesus saying, I'm not going to throw out the law of the prophets, Law of the Prophets was another way of saying what we now call the Old Testament. I'm not here to throw out that stuff. I'm here to embody it. He's saying that all the laws, the decrees that are in the Old Testament, I am the word that has become flesh to dwell among you and among me. That's what he's saying. Question for you. When was most of the law given to the Israelites? The law was given after 16 generations of Egyptian captivity. 16 generations of captivity where they were held back, where they were told what to do, and God had to teach them how to be free. Did you know that freedom is a learned activity? Freedom is a learned lifestyle to live free from bondage is something that you have to learn how to do. Have you ever tried to take your phone away from your kid 
and then tell them, hey, go play. And they look at you like you're crazy. Like, what, what, what do we do now? Have you ever had a friend who's trying to get out of the party scene and they don't know what to do on a Friday night because they're not going out anymore? Have you ever seen someone try to learn something that you have mastery over? They have to create all these different small steps to learn how to do it. I tried to teach my dad how to use my iPhone. He was in his 70s when he learned. And uh, he wasn't proficient with his flip phone. So I don't know why I thought that teaching him an iPhone was going to be a good thing. And so he was so frustrated. He didn't know how to hold it. He's smashing it with his fingers, doesn't understand swiping. And then my son got in his lap and said, Grandpa, I do it. You know, his face looks like mine. So he's unlocking it with his face. And I'm like, this is just not, it's not cool. The three-year-old knows. Why? Because learning something new you need rules. You need restrictions. You need a clear guide map on how to do it. And that's why God gave us the law. It was a love letter on how to be free. Listen to this from Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. And so God is telling them, I'm giving you all these laws, these decrees and commands so that you will enjoy long life, so that it may go well with you, so that you may increase greatly. Does that sound like a God of restriction? No. He's trying to give them the keys to free their heart from captivity. But what people did was they then took the law that was created to give us freedom, and they started binding themselves by the letter of the law. And the problem with the law was that God texted it to us. Remember how God sent it? He sent it on an iPad, two, two pads from the mountain. He sent it to us on a text. He sent it on tablets, right? And he tried to give it to them, but how many of y'all know that there are lots of messages that get lost in translation when you text someone. Lots of messages that get lost in translation when you send it via text. And so that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be the embodiment of what God tried to text us, what he tried to send us through other people. But until he sent his son, we couldn't hear his heart. We couldn't hear his heart. And so the hope of the gospel is that Jesus walked it out and he walks with us. What's the purpose of a judge? A judge is there to understand the letter of the law, but then also interpret the spirit of the law. All the attorneys in the house, y'all know I'm preaching good right now. The judge says, yes, the law was written in this way, 
but this is how the creators intended it to be. And Jesus came to be the embodiment, to be the spirit of the law that leads us to freedom. If you're grateful for Jesus, freeing you from your sins, make some noise. Second thing, honoring the old gives strength for the new. Honoring the old gives strength for the new. For truly I tell you, Matthew chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying is there is power in understanding and accepting the entirety of the word that God has given us. You know why? Because Satan reads his Bible. You know Satan knows the word of God. And Satan is a pro at stealing, killing, and destroying us from our potential and if we don't live our life on the foundation found in the word of God, we will get distracted. Jesus is preaching this to us because he just lived it out in Matthew chapter 4. Let's read that together. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. He wants him to misuse his authority. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan knew that if he could get the son of God to live out of the word, then it's finished. He wouldn't be the perfect spotless lamb anymore. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He knew that Jesus wanted power. He knew Jesus' temptation. He knew what Jesus would struggle with as fully God and fully man. All this I would give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels attended him. Jesus fought Satan with the word of God. And the best lies in our life are the lies that are 90% true. And Satan is so good at putting a question mark where God put a period. Satan is so good at making you question the things you know so you can get distracted from your purpose. And so what you see in that passage of Matthew chapter 4 is Satan using the word of God just true enough to try and steal, kill, and destroy Jesus from his purpose. And guess what? 
Satan's doing that with you today. How was Eve tempted in the garden? By a question mark. Did God really say? Did God really say? He didn't say, hey, come steal yourself from purpose. Let's live in a lifetime of sin. He just asked a question. And Satan's really good at making you question things that God has said. I mean, everybody flirts, right? It's just, it's just, it's just talk. I mean, everyone just scrolls a little bit later than we should. I mean, everyone does it. And before you know it, you have lost truth. Honoring the old gives us strength for the new. I was in a season when I was working and I felt like I was hamstrung because I was a Christian. I saw people get promoted faster than me. I wasn't working at a church in that season. And I saw people getting promoted faster because they could do some shady deals. And I was like, dang, God, why is it that they're all getting promoted and I'm getting left behind? And I started feeling like my faith was a disadvantage. And I remember hearing so many, quote, Christian businessmen saying, you know, it's just business, right? And then God led me to the book of Daniel. And then when I started reading the book of Daniel, Daniel was this young leader who was ripped from his household and he was put into the center of the world's thought and technology and science in that season of life. And he was a leader that never lost the God of his youth, but walked with him hand in hand and God promoted him time and time and time again. And when I started reading that, I started realizing this was a roadmap for success in the corporate world. If you take away the robes, if you take away the kings and you put CEO, I was like, oh, dang, I can learn a lot from here. And so I got to work early and I would pray over the bank that I was leading. And I remember I got a promotion one time because my boss's boss walks in the office and he's like, hey, this place feels different. What's going on? And the tellers were like, oh, man, this is what's going on. This is what Joel's doing, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't know I prayed over the room before people got to work. My tellers didn't know I was praying for them by name when I was driving to the office. But because I understood the Old Testament, what God did through Daniel, I was able to apply it to my current situation. Honoring the old gives us strength for the new. Rabbit trail. Some of you need old people in your life. Some of you need the gift of silver hair. Some of you need the gift of silver-haired people to tell you, hey, man, yeah, when I was 40, I made that mistake too, but I got back up, and here I am. You may need to pursue someone that's older than you to get wisdom. I got some old dudes who, they've learned how to text, and we text, and then I drive a few hours to meet with them just so they won't freak out, you know? And, and there's so many times where I've learned real wisdom because I've allowed the gift of gray hair in my life. Some of you with gray hair, you've retired, not just with your vocation, but with your calling, that you don't even think to adopt a young person. You start looking at your prime as if it's a thing of the past versus that God gave you all this wisdom to impart into the next generation. Man, I'm hitting hard today. (laughs) Your boy's hitting hard today. I wore my Mr. Rogers sweater and I'm hard in the paint. Point number one, the law was given as a love letter to be free. 
Point number two, honoring the old gives us strength for the new. Point number three, Jesus is the fine print. Matthew chapter five, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. These whole verses, it's a setup. Jesus is trying to let them know that you got two options to get into heaven. One, you perfectly execute the law of the prophets. You perfectly execute 613 rules, commands, decrees, how you eat, how you walk, how you hang out with your wife late at night. Like There's all sorts of rules in the Old Testament. He's like, you either can be perfect with 613 laws or no one man. You got to be perfect and think that you had to get your way to heaven or you can know me. John chapter 14, verse six says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Are you a rule follower or are you a rule breaker? For the rule followers in the room, guess what? Jesus died on a cross so you could experience and receive grace. It's so hard to receive grace because as a rule follower, we want to think that our performance gets us where we're at. But if you can understand that because of the grace of God, you have something called a fresh start, you can get back up and live in your purpose. For my rule breakers in the room, guess what? God gave us his law. God gave us his word. God gave us his commands, not to hold you back, but to set you free. The most powerful version of all of us is the one who's linked hand in hand with the power of God. We were never intended to live life apart from that power. You remember when God created the heavens and the earth? He didn't create the tablets on day eight. He's like, nah, man, I want them to know my love by me walking with them. God walked with us in the Garden of Eden. We were naked. We were unashamed. We were fully known by God, and he saw us. That's how we were intended to walk through life. Because of sin, that was separated. But because of Jesus, we can walk hand in hand with God again. If I had to put a title to this sermon, I would put it this way. I think Jesus is telling you today, I am the fine print. I am the fine print. I'd love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how you're breaking the chains of religion right now. The chains of religion that says I have to do these things to earn the love of God. That a relationship with you is not the institution of faith that we've made it. Thank you for setting us free from that. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your guidance actually makes our world bigger and freer and fuller. Will you show us how to apply your word today? We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ.
now we get to respond as a church. As your campus pastor, I wrote this for you. Because I've met with a few hundred of you in the last six months since I've been here. Friday was my six-month anniversary. Woo! Um, and over the last six months, I've heard time and time and time again as your campus pastor, when I ask you, tell me about your faith. I grew up Catholic. Okay. Tell me about your faith. Well, I grew up in church. Tell me about your faith. I went to this Christian school, and I run up against the institution of faith versus, well, at the age of so-and-so, I gave my life to Christ. And so maybe today you need to reassess. Do you know Jesus? Not the religion side of him, but the relationship side of it. Because guess what? That is more powerful than stats. And so as we go into this time of response, I pray that you get greedy with the presence of God, that you would sit in your seat for a moment and say, God, will you speak to me? What do you want me to do with this word? I pray that you get greedy with the presence of God and take communion to remind your heart of the price that he paid for your sins. Maybe you, as you take the, the bread and as you take the juice, just, just say a sin that you've committed that you're afraid of. Just whisper it, just so you remind yourself of what God's done. Maybe you need to light a candle. Maybe you need prayer. We've got some amazing elders who they desire to pray over you. They've walked through what you're walking through, and they want to speak to you. Like, actually make a connection today. And so, as we respond, ask yourself these two questions. God, are you speaking to me? God, what do I do with it? Let's respond together.